the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and this week my special guest is Tom Cole from Little University College near Chelmsford. Coming up, we'll be answering your questions on everything from peas and roses to orchids and foxtail lilies. But first, we have some tips for things you can be getting on with in the garden and details of some forthcoming Essex gardening events as well. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. Tom, welcome to the programme, and it's quite mild it's been over the last few days, which makes me think that... Perhaps, Tom, spring has sprung and we're, maybe it's just around the corner. What do you reckon? I'm hoping so because I've been out in that garden, especially over the last couple of days, and one of the things I've been doing is going through and looking at my grasses. I've cut down all of the grasses. Uh, there's a little adage here. If it's brown, cut it down. If it's evergreen, you put your fingers through and you break it out. So your sedges and your rushes... Uh, left you, lead, you leave those, you don't cut those down. But things like the stipers, uh, the pennycetums, the mescanthus, you, you cut those down to about an inch above the ground. I think really, compostable material. Harsh, haven't you? Yeah. you have, yeah. And you'd be amazed. I mean, it'll just come up again. Comes as a bit of a shock in the first place, doesn't it, eh? It does, yeah. <laughs> so that's the grass is cut down. And actually, I suppose thinking of spring and the vegetable plot, we've got to think of potatoes. And there's lots surrounding garden centres and nurseries at the moment. And, of course, on the mail order lists. Um, try some new varieties. I think that is something that I would try and suggest to people. Look for some of those ones that might avoid all those problems later on. Don't you reckon? Good idea. Because, uh, you know, we keep hearing of all these um, problems and look out for resistant ones. Is that right? Absolutely. Now, do we chit or don't we chit? Well, I'm still a chitting man. Now, chitting just means that you actually produce shoots not too long. If they do get too long, you can just cut, break, break them down halfway. And best they're laid out on egg boxes or on a tray, keeping somewhere fairly light and frost-free. But at the moment, it's mild enough to not worry about the frost, but keep an eye on the temperatures. And then, a bit later on, we can give the advice on when it's time to put those earlies in. Well, another plant that's really going to require your attention is the good old wisteria. At the moment, it might have lots of whippy young growth, and then on the main stems, you've got these blackened, tightly held buds. It flowers on the old growth. So what you want to do is you want to remove all the young growth, the whippy stems, to about two buds everywhere, unless you want to extend the framework. If you want to extend the framework tie it into where you want it to go to once it's tied in tip the end by at least a couple of inches to an outward facing bud and then you're going to come back in the summer do the whole thing again to keep it lovely and tight and you may get another flush of flowers you sometimes can can't you, you can yeah and there we are really you know we're looking forward to spring aren't we and what flowers early a lot of those um, fruits those delicious fruits like apricots peaches and nectarines but there might be flowering just a bit too early and we might get a night frost so you've got to watch for night frost so if i were you if you've got those trained against a house or perhaps in patio pots buy some fleece keep some fleece handy so all you have to do is pop the fleece over the plant and that way you can protect that plant from frost and then you might get some early fruits we could indeed one thing that's really worth doing at this time of the year is, and we're doing it at Rittle University College, oh. is we're renovating all our deciduous hedges. So hornbeam, the beech, and some of the cherry types we're doing. We're, what we're doing is we're taking all the ivy from the base, so it's not choked, and we are actually thinning out one or two older limbs to promote some new growth lower down. So what, down. you're cutting them right hard down, some of them? We're not cutting the hedges down so much. Uh, we're just um, sort of, well, I suppose we're shaping them, slightly broader at the base, slightly yep. narrow at the top, but we're taking out every bit of ivy we can possibly find, you any wonder, bit of weed growth. You wonder where the ivy comes from, don't you, well, in the bottoms bird, of these hedges? Well, birds actually will, will yeah. actually transport it, and then before you know it... It's up the You've plant. got an evergreen hedge, and well, I don't really want an ivy hedge, really. No. Uh, and the other one is you can cut uh, your evergreen hedges, but just a word of warning, if you know there's going to be a frost, 
and it's particularly hard one. I would err on the side of caution and actually do a little bit later on in the season. Does that include conifers? You know, things like ewes or not? Again, yes. Again, I'd be a bit wary. Uh, I've certainly done it on laurel. There's been no problem at all. That's the Portuguese laurel and the good old sort of uh, Prunus laurel. Yep. Laurisericus, uh, uh, the large leaf laurel. Yep. But things like the finer sort of uh, scale like leaves of conifers, be careful. You can get browning on those. So leave those a little bit longer if you know it's going to be a significant drop. So the important thing is, with all the things we've talked about, is watch the weather. Yes, it's mild now, <clears> but watch the weather forecast because if you've got a sign of frost, there's several things we've talked about there. You need to be aware of the cold. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. Let's have a look at some of the gardening events taking place across Essex over the next few weeks. And we're going to be starting in Billericay on the 20th of February at 8 o'clock. The Horticultural Society has a talk by James Krebin Bailing on Topri. It takes place at Chantry Way Day Centre. Visitors always welcome. Entry is just £2. On the week of the 24th of Feb and 25th, that's the Friday and the Saturday, 10 to 4, Beth Chateau Gardens in Kosher is home to over 50 varieties of snowdrops. And garden director and snowdrop enthusiast David Ward is one of his expert snowdrop tours that you could go on. The tours cost just £15 or for gold friends of the garden or RHS members, just £12. Tour includes garden entrance, so that's worth looking out for. On Saturday the 25th of February, 10 till 2, the South East Essex Organic Gardeners are holding a seed swap. Bring your seeds and swap, sell or donate. It takes place at the Growing Together West Cliff, 47 Fairfax Drive. South End on Sea admission is absolutely free and there are refreshments. 26th of February, 11.30 till 4 Last entry is just at three o'clock. Snowdrop Sundays take place at the Forgotten Gardens of Eastern Lodge near Great Dumbo. Admission is £4 for adults. Children under 16 are free. And refreshments include homemade soup, bait and rolls, cakes and drinks. Guided tours are also available at uh, 12.30 and cost £1.50. So oh, there's a few things that are coming up. And just a reminder that every Sunday until the end of October, 10 till 12, the Hockley and District Horticulture Society Trading Hut is open every Sunday until the end of October. They sell compost, fertilisers, canes and your garden sundries. A hut can be found behind Hawkwell Village Hall. They are. And if you have a gardening event that you'd like us to, to put on BBC Essex on the Gardening Hour, please send all the details to me, Ken Crowther, with at least three weeks' notice, either by email to ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk or you can send it along to me, Ken Crowther, BBC Essex, P.O. Box 765, Chumpsford, CM2 9XB. Coming up next, myself and Tom will be answering your gardening questions. And we'll start with John in Chelmsford and his holly bush. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11. I have two questions, if I may. The first one is, I wish to propagate from a holly bush. Right. Any reason why? Any reason why? I always ask this. Any reason why? Is it sentimental or is it just you want to have a crack at it? I want to have a crack at it and I haven't seen any in the nurseries which I could purchase. What, they're in the, pots and they want about £10 a pot. Or well, they like do that. need te- they at least £10 a pot because they're not that easy to propagate. and um, They take a long time to grow. They take really. a long time to, to well, grow. To, to, to get going. They do. So, so yeah. what's specific? Is it a burying one you have? Um, well, it's one that's kind of sprung up at the bottom of my fence, and I thought, well, it backs onto an orchard, and I thought a bit of security. I'd like to put some more back in there. Good idea. So, how would you do it then, Tom? A couple of things you can do at this time of the year, this very moment, you could actually do some evergreen hardwood cuttings, and they are taken from one-year-old stems. When you look at the plant as it's creeping through the next from next door, you're looking for at least pencil thickness stems, and you're looking for a, working back from the tip of that shoot to about the sort of length of your secateur, your pair of secateurs. I mean, if you go for something like a foot, that'd be fine. So a foot down from the tip of that grove to where roughly there's a junction and you cut just below the junction. And then what you're going to do is you're going to remove half of the bottom leaves, just literally cut them away. And if you can get hold of some rooting hormone powder, 
or liquid now you can get from most of your good garden centers make sure that's dabbed on the cut surface at the bottom of the cutting and you could literally push that into the ground somewhere near where you've just taken it from so that just about a third of it is poking out the top of the ground if you want to have a bit more control, I put it into a deeper pot with something like a John Innes seed and cutting compost. And that would be a really good way. It's cheap and easy. They'll be ready at the end of the year. Right. Next question then, John. Uh, the other question is I have an ornamental fig in my conservatory. Yep. And it's almost touching the top of it. It will be. But when you cut it or do anything to it... It, it bleeds. Is, yes, white. That's liquid. it. Yep. Are you worried about the sap, or are you just worried about it bleeding to death? Well, yeah, basically, you know, will I damage the plant at all? No, no. All, all the figs, whether they're ornamental or outside, even your, even your brown turkey fig that you eat, uh, they produce a latex sap. So it's, it's a way, actually, I mean, eventually it will heal itself, but no, it's not going to bleed to death. Some people put charcoal yeah. on it, don't but they? But the key thing is, <laughs> don't get it on your hands, because it's an irritant, so wear gloves. Yeah. Also has it's a not burn. a dangerous irritant, but no, it can be irritant. Well, some people can really burn their skin, mm. so you just need to make sure you've got gloves on and wash your hands afterwards. And some people put bits of bandage or cotton wool on it, it slows it down a bit, but, you know, it looks stupid. <laughs> but it does work. <laughs> OK, let's move on to Joan in Hutton, who's uh, talking lily bulbs. Is that right, Joan? Yes. New, yes. new or old? Then. New or old, are they, Joan? But new. Yep. What I would you like? Six yep. lily bulbs about mm. six weeks ago. Lovely. And I brought them home and checked them all over, and I planted them in like, those nice tall, slim pots. Mm-hmm. And I put the um, stuff what was in with the bulbs around it, and I put them upstairs in the back room, what I don't use, on a windowsill. Okay. And I've been just giving them a little drop of water. And four of them have come through already. They will. Well, the reason, what I want to know is what shall I do with them now? Shall I take them to a cooler place like the garage or the shed to slow them down? Because it's a bit quick, isn't it? Well, you're on the right lines there. You've got to put them somewhere where it's cooler so it yeah. slows the growth down. Otherwise, they become really long and leggy. Right, um, okay so... then. <clears throat> Your, I've got what's a your big shelf in my shed? Well, what's your garage like? Is there a light point? Uh, oh, is there yes. any? It's not light point, but is there you light coming windows. in? You need windows. Yes, I've got a window. I mean, either one of those would. That. Yeah, either one of those would be okay. The the shed though sometimes isn't a whole is holy isn't wholly frosty frost proof, so I'd be a bit careful. But yes, cool, cool cooler place, cooler place for them. And be patient. Not too much water. You can keep them fairly dry at this moment, can't you? Yeah, well? I don't really overly water them no. really. Keep them dry as well. Okay, they are Joan in Hutton sorted her lilies. Let's go for a pee with Peter in Purley. How about that lot, Peter? Hello. What would you like to know? Um, well, a couple of things, really. Well, first of all, is, is um, me peas. Yep. Um, I can't grow them in the ground anymore because I can't get down properly to do them because of my back. Uh-huh. And I thought about p putting them in a trough. Absolutely. What a great idea. Trubs and, tubs and troughs. put it up higher, yep. but how much earth should I need? What, what's the trough like? How, de how deep are the troughs you want to get? Oh, have you, have you going to get the troughs? You've got them. I've got one six inches that's deep. Mm. I would go for something a little bit deeper, really. I You're think about I eight, mean, nine inches. Yeah, I think eight to nine inches, even ten inches in depth. Yeah. It's just, uh, it'll be giving them better root run, and also they're not going to dry out so much. I mean, these are plants you, you don't want them to l let them dry out really for the summer months. But a trough is brilliant, and actually put it where you can work for them. Yeah. And have some kind of little support system above it so that they can actually grow into. But you could let them grow down. You, oh, you could do, actually. Yes, yeah, yeah they could absolutely fine. Yeah. yeah. Now, the other yeah. thought is that <clears throat> on the market you'll see there's these garden troughs. Um, yeah. And some of them, okay, some of them are expensive. You'll look and they're expensive. They're made of wood. But there's other ones that are made of a sort of material. Yeah. And they're more like a deck chair. If you imagine the old-fashioned deck chairs. They're built yeah. like those. And they're quite cheap. So that might be another way of growing peas. Yeah. Yeah, because I can't get down to it. No, but you can grow any veg like that. <clears throat> it doesn't any, just have yeah. to be peas. Yeah, it could be anything. Right. So what is the average would you give them then to, to grow in? Eight inches? Eight inches. I think something like that really for the peas. They yeah. want a bit more depth. And yeah. a good multi-purpose compost will be fine. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. Right, now, I don't know whether it would work or not. Also, I've got some potted strawberries. Yep. And I've got, I'm on a wheelbarrow. Yeah. Well, on a trolley. 
in the pots. Uh-huh. And I want to chase the sun. Do you understand what I mean? Because when the sun goes behind the cloud or behind the fence, and, it don't, and I just want to pull the trolley so they get to the You can sun. do that. You well, can do it. All right. Yeah. Nothing, nothing wrong with that at all. Grow, strawberries grow really well in pots. Not a problem at all. Yeah. All right. So that will work to pull it in with the sun. So yeah, just move them it. around. You won't hurt them at all. Okay, thank you very much. All the best with your peas, thank and you. let us know how you get on with your peas. Peas are in pearly, because we'd like to know. Now, we've got two Foxtel Lily questions. So I'm going to talk to you both, but um, first I'm going to talk to Derek from Hullbridge. Hello, Derek. Good morning, Ken. Now, we've also got Paul in Whitham. So I'll tell you what, Derek, you, I've, I've talked to you. Hello, Paul. Hello. Right, I'm going to ask Derek what his question is, and we'll find out whether Paul is similar and it all matches. So, Derek, what's, what are you asking about foxtail lilies? Right, I've been given some foxtail lilies as a birthday present last month, and I need to know when it's safe to plant them. The, the RHS site says spring or autumn. Uh, at the moment, I've put them in shallow trays, covered them with a bit of soil, and, and covered them over to keep them frost-free. But um, I'm going on holiday next week for five weeks, and need to know if I need to plant them before I go or can leave them... Till I come back. Whoa, five weeks holiday. <clears throat> Gardeners can't go away for four weeks, Derek. Come on. Anyway, let's just ask Paul what his question is. Is is it similar or different, Paul? Well, no, it's about how the quick way to plant them. I'm not sure. I'm really oh, about, so... I said they like I've got pictures of a little mound of grit with them growing out of. Right, so in fact, the, 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 the two questions are very similar, aren't they, Tom? It's can <clears throat> we plant now, would we plant now? And if so, how? Uh, definitely can plant them now. In fact, we've just been renovating a border at the uh, Rissell University College, and uh, there are a couple of foxtail uh, lilies there. And they're interesting things, really. You've got this sort of central crown, and it's almost like spider's legs coming out. They're sort of quite sort of succulent. And the previous chap who we was talking about grit or gravel underneath Derek, that crown. Uh, that was Paul was yeah, saying Paul, that. that yeah. That's really important because these are succulent type plants and don't really want to be sat in too much heavy soil. So, yes, I'd plant them now. Um, but I plant them so that you've got them on a slight mound. That's the crown on a slight mound. And you really space out those those root systems. You also can note those root systems go out quite a way. So be careful if you're planting something else nearby. You don't want to be cutting through. They're spider-like. They are, yeah. So I'd sort of tend to do it a little bit. It's a bit like Iris Germanica, the bearded iris. You put that little rhizome on on a slight mound, space out all those fibrous roots, bring the soil over... And firm them in place, bring the soil so that the crown of the, it's Erimurus, the foxtail lily, is just slightly protruding. Would you mix the grit with it or put the grit back over? I think if you've got a heavier soil, um, ideally that's hopefully that's been worked over and organic matter's gone in. I would then put some grits and gravels within the soil, but I'd put a little bit more of it around the base of the plant so it just sits on it. Um, and then bring the soil over. And I think also, if you're the other chap is going away for a longer period, it, yep. I would actually also maybe mulch. And you could mulch with grits or gravels. Actually, that will just take to hold the moisture in for the next it month. It will do. It will keep the moisture in. And that's because we don't know what the weather's going to do, do we, Derek? No. But no, they're a fa- f- fantastic plant. Can I use vermiculite instead of grit? It will blow away. No, vermiculite um, oh, um, is more f- spongy and it will soak up moisture. So you really do want to have something grit. that's going to actually just create spaces and allow for excess water to escape. Horticultural right. so, grit. Horticultural grit, coarse sand, anything like that really underneath the plant, but grit on the top. They also say use grit to keep the slugs at bay as well. Yeah, they will, because it's, it's quite a harsh surface. In time, though, that becomes softened, so you just have to keep on adding that to it. Paul, does that answer your question as yeah, well? thank you. So we sound like we've looked after Derek, have we, Derek? Yes, there's just one other comment I'd like to make uh, uh, to, to Ken. Yep. Uh, I, I phoned about five years ago asking advice on crocuses in lawns and yep. how to uh, treat them after they flowered, because uh-huh. the leaves take an awful long time to die back, and you yep. advise... Um, feeding them for yep. six weeks, and it worked a treat. They come up beautifully every year. Brilliant. It does, does make a difference. OK, uh, thank you, Derek. You have a great yeah, holiday. And, Paul, enjoy those foxtail lilies. They are. That's, that's really good to see. We're going straight to talk to Betty in Basildon. They're all rhyming people today, have you noticed? Very interesting, we've had yeah. Pete in Pitsy, and we now we've got <laughs> Betty in Basildon. How's <laughs> Betty in Basildon? Uh, I'm fine, thank you. Good. So, what you got for us today? I've got a, I've got a plant, and I, it goes, it goes, it's very tall, 
red, like, half um, thing, and then yellow bit in the middle, and I can't think what it's called. Is it an orchid? No, no, no. Oh, good. No, no, that, that, that's the wrong... So, hang on, so let's no, go backwards. Hang on, hang on. Stop, stop, stop. Indoor <laughs> plant. Pardon? Indoor? Oh, oh, beg your pardon, yes, indoor. Indoor yeah. plant. It's getting very tall, and I've got loads of lovely red flowers, but I'm worried about the green leaves. They keep having brown, uh, dot, brown dark brown, but... Okay. Right. Okay. We don't really have to know exactly what the plant is because if we've got browning of the leaves around the edges, we know what the problem is, don't we, Tom? Well, if it if spots or browning around the edges, is it browning around the edges or spots? spots in no, the right in, these brown spots come right in the middle of the leaf. They do, and they go very crispy. He's got a radio on the wall. Um, that is. It must be some sort of. Mil- it needs a fungicide. Right. But think it through. If it's browning on the edges of a leaf, it's drying uh, it, out. Or... It could be uh, nutrient deficiency. If it's browning on the tips, that could be it's lack dro- of humidity or too much humidity. If it's browning, browning in the, the middle, it's browning in the middle. There yeah, could be right. could be a fungal uh, issue. Fungal could be. Uh, where is it? Is it sat right up against a window, or is it far yes, back oh, from no, the window? No, I'm not right. I, they do show well in the window, but I don't think it's right against the window. It's more back a bit. And it's not sat by a radiator? No, 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 it's, okay. it's, it's in the kitchen. Okay. And what's so the so, what humidity. does the soil feel like at the moment? Is, is, is it, it wet? wet it's very crispy. It... it goes very crispy. No, no is the, the soil, soil, is it wet or dry? No, it's dry. Okay. And the spotting is on the top part of the plant or the lower part of the plant? More, uh, more so in the middle. Always more so in the middle it is. I, I, I'd spray with a fungicide. I mean, I would. There's a couple of things I would do. Spray with fungicide. Uh, I'd actually make. Sure, I'd actually make sure that there's plenty of moisture in that sort of compost. So, so dip, I'd, I'd, dip, I'd, I'd dip it, let it take up water for about twenty minutes, then let it drain. Tepid water. Yeah, and then put it on a saucer or the tray it's on. Yeah. Um, I would also, as you're coming in, you're coming out of February now. I would actually think about giving it a feed. Yeah, uh, yeah, so you yeah. can go for some proprietary. Well, you can go for a house plant fee. Go to your like garden and get a like baby bio would be okay, or any I product that's that. for house plants. Yeah, yep. Um, if it's flower, it's flowering. You could use tomato oh, food. It's beautiful. It's flowering all the time. I've got one flower after flower. It's and so then cool. the other thing yeah. that you need to do is to spray with a with a fungicide. You could spray with a fungicide. I would, I would probably do that if um, there's no it... response to what you've just done. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. This is an interesting question, actually. Is there an easy way to tell all the different varieties of roses apart? Now, she then, she doesn't mean varieties necessarily. I'm trying to help an elderly friend with her garden, and she has lots of roses that need pruning. Keep hearing us say, prune a florabunda this way, prune a hybrid tea this way, and... We tell them to prune them differently. How does she, at this stage, tell mm. the difference? Well, well, you can't easily. Well, can there's, you? A, there's another question to ask. It's ask that person, when did those roses flower? Because that will give you an indication about what type of wood it flowers on. Okay. Particularly if it's got a lot of whippy young growth coming from the base and it's, Get rid of it. and it's up and growing over a fence and you're thinking it's a climber, because it might be a rambler rose. Because if it's a rambler rose, it flowers on last year's growth. But she's more talking about bush, I think, because she's so, saying she hears us talking about teas. Yeah, so you've got shrub. So you, actually, and then within that, you've got shrub You're going to confuse the issue. Let's, let's stay well, on to no, it. Because right. visually, they look different. Okay, okay. Shrub roses, you they're, they're, they're more permanent. You've got a thicker stem it's system. It's more like a shrub, it is. literally. It is like a shrub. And with those, you tend to be either deadheading at this time of the year and doing a little bit of thinning out. And in some cases, you might cut them quite hard. With the floribundas and the hybrid teas or the cluster-flowered and large-flowered modern bush rose, they tend to flower, well, they all flower on new growth, so you tend to cut those quite hard. But looking, they are, I suppose, less shrub-like, if that makes any sense. You haven't got multiple thick, thick, rigid branches. You tend to have them uh, more, much closer to the ground. So, I, yes, but what would you do? You see, I'd just cut them all... Mm down to so-and-so height and let them sort themselves out. Yeah, but you might lose all your flowers from the shrub type rose. Yeah, but if you don't know what the floribunda is... So that goes back to my original question. No, no. No, Don't you have to ask those questions? (laughs) Um, I don't agree. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, look, here, I'll give you one. Queen Elizabeth, right? Queen Elizabeth's got big, big okay. stems, you and then it's got little, small stems, but it's a floribunda. So how would she know <clears throat> what it was? She wouldn't have a clue. No. So what would you do? I'd cut it down to six to eight inches and let it grow from the base. It'll delay the flowering, but then she can start to look at what they are. You could do, do that. that. My idea. Yeah, you could do that. I don't think I'd cut it that hard, but I um, with the other roses, I would always ask that question: Can you remember when it flowered? But if the old lady can't, got to get on with it. Don't forget linen epping. Give them a good feed when you prune them as well. Top rose. That's the one. Shirley from Ramsden Bell House. Hello there, and what have we got from you today? Hello. Hello. It's about my skimmia. Mm-hmm. You, you helped me a couple of years ago by telling me to go and buy a rubella, rubella to go with it. Oh, nice. It was all, all flowers. And we had the best year ever. It was really wonderful. Well, I didn't cut it down or anything. I just enjoyed it. Well, last year it, it bloomed, yes, and I've, had, I've got some buds on it. Well, I've got red berries from last year, which are lovely still, but there's not as many of them, and they're under the leaves. So what should I do? Should I cut, the, cut, the, cut it off, or should, do I prune it down, or what do I do with it now? No, you don't, you don't need to really prune them, actually. Um, I, would leave, I would leave them in that, in that sort of situation. What I would do, <laughs> as you're coming into the growing season, is give them a good feed. Of yeah. Ericaceous like, feed. Yeah, an ericaceous product, or sequestered iron, uh, yeah. So any iron-based products, I would use those. That will help. That will help green up the plant and help that particular range of plants. Um, it's lovely and green at the moment. Yeah, no, just boost it for the rest of the year. That was all. Um, yes. But don't. Although it's it's not quite March, uh, but I would do that in March. Don't do it now. It's a bit temperamental at the moment. The weather. Uh, but do that sort of uh, early to mid March. Follow the instructions. Um, but I don't think there's any need to touch. The only time I touch skimmias is if, if they've actually slightly gone out of control. And what I will tend to do with them then is definitely don't prune them now, but prune them as you go into uh, sort of April, May time. And I just shape them. But I just cut back to a nice pair of leaves uh, and shape them. So these red berries that are underneath, I, I just leave those? Yeah, leave those. They'll drop off at some point. And at, at a later point in the year, they'll begin. To, they'll get more flowers emerging, and uh, that rubella is a lovely male skimmia. Oh, it is lovely, isn't and it? And it's just uh, in some some people have only just had the flowers on those. Uh, so you know, it, I enjoy them for what they are at the moment, and only really do pruning around about April May for evergreens, but definitely do some feeding of a acid feed uh, from about mid March onwards. Oh, and I can look forward to what I had before. You, you should be able you to, can, yes, yeah. And some yeah. good advice from us here at BBC Essex as well. How about that? And, well, I've had that before, so this is a, this is a second lot. Thank you very much. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> doing well, isn't she? Doing well indeed. There. And uh, it's nice to hear that people come back to us and say that actually what we have said... It worked. It worked. Because <laughs> that is it's really... Might, you might get a few phone calls now saying, well, it didn't. <laughs> well, it didn't work. No, it was no good at all. Let's go to Eve in Harlow. Now, what have you got in your lawn, Eve? Hello. Um, I'm just curious. Um, I, it's not doing any harm, really. It's just that it appeared last year, and it's appeared again this year. Um, I put seed out and, and bird food for the doves, and of course, they're on the slabs that I've got there. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I say, these, um, this hole appears, well, it's appeared again this year. It's um, just slightly larger than a, a broomstick, you know, in diameter, you know? So it's, mm, what was your aim? And the hole is around where you're putting the, f- the food? The food? Just at the side of it. Hmm. We've got four-legged friends. Do you think it's a rat? Could be. There's been a, a, lot, rat, there's a lot around. There's a lot of rats. Is it bigger than a broomstick, would you say? Not very much bigger. Could be voles, mice or rats. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you see, this oh. is one of the... I mean, you know, you can't knock feeding birds and doves and whatever because we all do it. We all like to encourage, you know, wildlife and birds into our garden and we want to look after them. But there is that risk. And, in fact, you know... Rats are a problem, aren't they? Yeah. Generally, rats and mice and voles. They I'll all just are. Plug up the hole. Plug up the hole. See what it does. Okay. Put a big stone. Get a stone. Get a stone. Push a stone down. Push a stone yeah. down first, and then fill it up with soil. Right. 
Because chances is. are it's coming up the hole rather than going down, if you know what I mean. It's, it's coming up yeah. to get the food and then going back down. Yeah, yeah. All right. OK, thanks very much for your help. Eve, Bye. let us know how you get on, because we'll be interested to know. We go to Barry from East Burgholt now. Uh, what do you got for us, Barry? Hi, good morning to you. Um, well, you've very kindly helped me in the past with the uh, problem of rust and black spot on my roses. Yeah. Um, but um, which, which I must admit, you know, helped last year um, with the treatment that I that I gave following your advice. But I'm I've noticed that not only one old rose, but the dozen or so um, roses that are now only four years old um, are uh, showing quite a quantity of yellowy moss-like um, surface up the, up the main stems. Is that lichen? Yeah, is it flaky? Yes. Yeah, it's that's, yeah. it's perfectly fine, um, and it will come in many forms, but that, that is uh, lichen, really. Yeah. So it's... it's um, Sign of clean air. It though, can so. be a sign of clean air, actually. So I wouldn't really worry about... I mean, I know some people try and scrub that all off, but I, it's not really harming the plant at all. Over no, a very... over. No, over a very, hang on, over a very long period, Tom, and I mean long, number of years, 20 years, it could choke its growth a bit, couldn't it? But if you're regularly pruning your roses... Yeah, then you're not, you're not growth, letting it build up. Then, you're not you? letting it build no. up, are you? If anything, it'll actually just build up on the very old stump areas on the plants, but <coughs> not on your, pr if you're pruning, so if you've got a bush rose and you're pruning it quite hard, then you're not really going to get that problem. Oh, it's not a problem. Yeah, but... I, am, I am pruning back, and it is the main. It certainly is the main stems, the main part from the base upwards yeah. where it's appearing. And I was just a bit worried whether it's any excess water. There's a lot of water. The area um, does get quite quite wet. Um, you know, when we get a lot of rain, um, that that area is. Um, you know, noticeably a damp, a damp border. Um, but uh, I don't it, think that's not, a pro that's not the real problem, is it? No, it's not a problem. Uh, I mean, sometimes you can at the base of roses where water collects get moss. Moss needs water to reproduce, uh, and that would be more worrying uh, because uh, then look at your plant, and if it be it's beginning worse year on year, then it could be because you've got waterlogging there. But not, not in this case. This case is absolutely fine. I would just enjoy it for what it is. Is that all right? Thank you very much. Give it a feed, feed, good feed. feed when you when you prune because that way the rose is even stronger and therefore strong plants grow better and have less problems. Absolutely. One of the things I would say is prune in February. You can prune them into March. But I don't feed until March. Hello, Roger. Yes. Good morning to you. Um, I've got a magnolia grandiflora. It's one mm -hmm. of the summer flowering um, magnolias. Yep. And it's just got a bit tall and straggly now. And, um, you know, I want to prune it. Can you tell me when the best time is to prune it? Right. I'm going to ask... I'm take it back about, oh, I don't know, 20%. Right, I'm going to ask you, where, where's it planted, firstly? Uh, it's just in the garden. No, uh, I know, a, but is it against a wall? It's standing it's, on its own. It's on its own as a single mm. plant. OK. Mm. And it's gone about 15, 20 foot high now. I've pruned those at many different times of year. In theory, it's an evergreen you plant, you could prune it April, May. Um, I have actually pruned them in winter and got away with it, but it, it, what would you do, Tom? Well, I think... Um, it is the, east facing. Yeah, so it's going to get... Yeah, right. Yeah. So that's, I'd, I had heard recently uh, that uh, there were a couple of um, larger gardens that had actually cut back granular quite hard, and actually it was perfectly fine. Mm. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, it flowers, uh, tw yeah, midsummer onwards. So yeah, um, mm. in in another place of work, we used to cut those after flowering, after flowering and be quite ruthless. Really, we were really when we take more than twenty percent off, uh, we were cutting them sort of quite hard back to an outward facing leaf. I actually, for safety, east facing, I would wait. I wouldn't do it now. No, no, I wouldn't I would do wait it now. Till April, if you don't worry about losing the flower, Roger. Yeah. And if not, I think I would do what Tom, I'd enjoy the flowers and then prune straight after flowering. Could you cope for know. the year without Sorry? a flower? Could you cope for the year not doing anything and then do it straight after oh, flowering? Yes, it's just now just getting out of shape a bit and it's, you know, it's a shame because it is such a lovely tree. Yeah, so what and I would do, lot, yeah. And I think a lot of flowering. is um, coming to it in the winter as well. <laughs> yeah, I think April, May time, you could do a bit of thinning. And then come back after flowering and do some... Uh, major you, surgery. You could do some major work on it, yes. Oh, yeah. lovely. Also on it, they're throwing roots out now about uh, 15 foot from the tree uh, up onto the grass. Would I be all right uh, cutting some of that uh, further root off? Mm. You, hang on, the roots? The they're, roots are emerging or they've got suckers on the roots? 
No, they're emerging out from the thing, Don't but they're going to 15 oh. foot. That's I, unusual. I need really to take them off about three foot three because they're getting underneath the greenhouse. Well, you could root prune. It wouldn't be a problem. That's Might okay. I mean, how far is it away from the main trunk of the tree? Oh, it'll be about 10 to 12 feet. Oh, no yeah, problem at absolutely all. Absolutely fine. Your key roots, let's come out. That's quite a way out, actually. That is a long way. Uh, but the feeder roots are actually around the sort of edge of the canopy. So those are really the most important uh, areas. So take the ones uh, off the take defend. those other ones off. Yeah. All right. So I can prune them back, and not take them right off to the stump, but I can. Take oh no, them no, 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 no! Definitely no. don't. Just take them off where they're offending. Yeah. In other words, right. if they're lifting out through the lawn, cut that section out. Of course, when you do that, they will also branch out. They will. Um, so you might but be that doing that in on a, four years' time. Yeah, you might, you might do that in a regularish way. All right, Roger. Right, thank you very much. Thank That's you, a pleasure. 0300 200 4041. That's the number to call. So we can talk gardening all the way through till 12. There's a line free at the moment. And you can text me uh, so that Tom and myself can talk about your question on oath, no, on 8133. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, with Essex on the front. Now we're talking camellias with Maureen from Braintree. Hello, Maureen. Hello, gentlemen. Um... Because we haven't been, neither of us, been well since Christmas, we haven't been out to attend our camellia. It's in a pot on the patio, and it's coming into bud. Last year it had a little bit of sooty mould. Now, I thought you suggested you spray it at some stage. Right. Are we too late? No, what we've got to explain is, we, and it's worth for other people, isn't it, Tom, that sooty mould is a secondary <laughs> problem, isn't it? Yeah, you got the sooty mould everywhere, and then when you have a sap-sucking insect on a plant, it excretes everywhere, and it's the sooty mould that invades that sticky solution, which then gives you the black sort of covering on the leaf. So you've got, there's two things here. Uh, we've, got to get, we've actually got to get rid of the pest. So you could, if you look underneath the leaf, you'll probably find the pest, or it might be on the stem or the trunk of the tree. Um, have a look for it there. And what you could use is use a systemic uh, insecticide, but it needs that needs to work by being absorbed by the plant, so, so the it's pest be growing, attacks it. it. So it's got to be sort of growing, really. And I'm not sure if it's Another growing month. enough at the moment. Month. Yeah. So so we can leave that till the end of the month. Um, sooty mould, you can wipe that off. So lukewarm water, just get some cotton wool and wipe it off the leaves. Uh, and that will actually help the plant get maximum light. So that would be good for it. Good feed uh, in another month as well. So you could actually spray and feed at the same time. Could do, yes. And yeah. that would induce good gro clean growth. And hopefully <clears throat> you'll get rid of your pests as well. What colour's the flower? Sorry? In another month. About a month's yeah, time. Yeah, I would say in about a month. It's really actively growing then. Uh, but you go and investigate it. Look underneath the plant. There might not be anything visible there now. This might be as a result of what happened late last year. Um, what about, um, is it sequestrain feed? Yes, sequestrain. Yes, you can. Seaweed feed. But, oh, yeah. That's, maxi that's, crop. Maxi something. crop's really good, actually. Mm. Uh, it's got seaweed in, yeah. Sequestrine or sequested iron, any sort of iron-based product would be good to basically... It's, it's a greening up agent for your sort of more acid-loving plants. All right. What colour? What colour? very much. What colour's your camellia? Come on. Pink. Pink. Very good. Lovely one. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour, every Saturday from 11. BBC Essex. Nigel, up in Mark's Tay, what are we talking about today, Nigel? Oh, well, in a drunken moment, some two years or so ago, I bought in an auction three beautiful bay trees. And they, they've grown round and round the pole that that's in the earth, you know? Oh, so are they twisted? Are round they in, and round and round? They're in a, in a twirl. Yes. They, okay. They sort of go round and round this pole. Well, they were, they've looked beautiful summer and winter, ever since I had them. But this summer, they're they're planted in big pots, and they're in a position where they get varying amounts of sunlight. And I, I, we we didn't water them. We didn't water them as much as we should have done, perhaps. But the situation is at the moment. The one that's in the least sunlight is beautiful and, and still very healthy. The middle one, which doesn't get quite so much sunlight, is OK, but it had a few dead leaves on it. The third one, 
I, I've kept it. I, I nearly threw it out because I thought it was all dead. But a friend of mine said, no, it's, uh, it's not dead. And a lot of the leaves went very dark brown as if they were dead. Yep. But since then, there's a lot of green shoots come on. That's all right. And several little buds are breaking out. So obviously it's still alive. But what's the best thing to do with it? Well, it sounds like that you, <clears throat> you've, you've described exactly what's happened to them. The, the, the one in the heat has dried out and the one secondary not as much and then the one in the shade hasn't dried out as much. Um, yeah. it's, if it's sprouting, bays are pretty tough, aren't they? Very, very resilient plants. They will come back from near death, really. So we would, I mean, I would feed it well. It's too early to feed, isn't it, really? Although yeah. it is sprouting, you see, isn't it? Well, I'd... Liquid feeds? You could do. I mean, I, I would, I'd wait till time. about you know, m- you know, March, March, mid-March, probably do some feeding. And I and again, actually, I do use sequestering uh, on, yeah. on bays. It really, really is effective. The key is though, and you sort of answered the question yourself, really. Moisture levels are important. The more so when the something's in a pot. So actually, is there any way you could move those other two <coughs> more? to the shadier area or what you'll need to do is go out more often and water and water the other two really yeah um because that's that's really the solution but the answer is don't get rid of them no no don't and particularly feed the one that's producing the shoots and hopefully it'll catch up yeah and then as those shoots develop nip the tips out and they will then branch and it will thicken back to how you had them yeah, do I leave the dead leaves as they are? No, or, or no, they, they, they'll drop off, but they'll you could off. just pick them off. You could pick, yeah, they will drop off actually, but you can pick them off. They don't look very nice to look at. Uh, okay. Okay, what is the stuff you said to, to feed them with? Uh, sequestrine. See, how do you spell that? Uh, S-E-Q-U-E-S-T-R-E-N-E. An acid, okay, if, you ask, if you ask for an acid feed, yeah. they will know what you mean. Yeah. Acid feed. That's Nigel from Mark's Day with his dead and dying bay trees. How about snowdrops with Charlie in Corringham? Hi, Charlie. Yeah. Yes, good morning. I've got a few snowdrops I'd like to move. They're, they're, um, but they're not fully out. They're in bud. Can I move them now? Why do you need to move them now? Usually enjoy them and then move them. Pardon? It's best to enjoy the flowers and then yes. move them. Yes, well, the point is I can't see them where they are. <laughs> so oh. Right, so what would you... Yeah, if you dig them up with enough soil, they'll dig, move, Dig they? them up with as much soil as you possibly can around that root zone and then pop them in exactly at the same height as where you've yeah, taken them out from. they don't go down very deep. Do no, they? no. no. Uh, and then that's fine, actually. And the other time to move them, you know, you know move them, move other ones when, the, when they're really in the green, the flowers are finished, yeah, and there's even less check. Do, yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, if you, can't, if you can't see them, I would do it. Yeah, OK, thanks very much. I had a nice email here from Alex Cranfield who said, I listened back to Ken's broadcast and wrote down the details on how to repot my Christmas tree. So they are. That's another good mention there. Is it too late to transplant a gooseberry bush? And that's Dominic. I keep saying Dominic from Rohitch. No. It's not too late. Um, just dig up with plenty of soil and that's all you've got to watch worry about. Watch yourself. It's thorny. Most, yep. most of them are Is it thorny. worth pruning anything at the moment? Or yeah, if you haven't pruned them, prune it, must prune them, yeah. And so what do you do there, quickly? Bush type, uh, take each branch in turn, all the sublaterals or laterals that are white in colour, cut them back by to one to two buds. Terminal shoot, tip it to an upward-facing bud and work all the way around the plant, keep the centre clear, and then have ideally have a nice clear gap between the soil and where the frame so starts. So you've got a stem, really. A leg. A leg. A leg. I call it a Improved stem. Improved airflow, less mildew. There you are. There you go. And if you are planting a new one, look for a variety that is mildew resistant. Absolutely. Because they are well worth it. OK, let's go back to the phones. I said we've got some lines free here. We've got one still free. 0300 200 41. Let's talk to Irene from Chesham. Hello, Irene. Oh, hello. Um, I had a... a an amaryllis given to me in a box and when I opened it it was already in a pot and um, it said just keep the fibre damp not wet so I yep. did that the next morning it was up two inches well after that it grew two inches every day with two big stems till it got to two and a half feet That's but no a leaves and then when it got to the top one of the stems had two beautiful flowers on and the other stem had four beautiful flowers on, still no leaves, 
But now the flowers are dying, and I don't know whether I'm supposed to cut the flowers off or have I got to cut the stems right down. Okay, Irene, Tom, we've got we've got this just for other people who have got amaryllis. The tops, the flowers grow. The flowers will drop their petals, won't they? Uh, they will then try and produce seed. But actually, what you want to do is that the stem. You don't want to cut it off straight away, do you? Just Normally, remove the flowers. Remove the flowers, because so, then the goodness will go back into the yeah. bowl, won't it? So Tom? removing the flowers, it, it won't mean it'll produce seed. It'll put that energy into producing new leaf. The leaf will emerge. It's a bit erratic. Sometimes leaves come through quickly, sometimes not. I was fortunate. I got one of these for Christmas. Hasn't grown as big as that, I'm afraid. But it is two foot tall in bud. I'm just waiting for it They're to burst. fantastic blooms. The key with that one, though, when it is in that pot is, yeah, don't overwater. There's no drainage in the bottom. Uh, no. It's just to keep it a little bit moist, moist, little bit moist. So I'm watering every other day, I think, at the moment. So with Irene's, the stems will eventually turn a different colour. They'll go slightly yellow. Yeah. Then you can cut them Then off. take them back and then leave the leaves. Leaves will just collapse. Um, eventually. Eventually. I mean, but when it's in leaf, it's also a good time to feed. Um, oh, yeah. Some people do that then. Some people wait until the end of the summer and feed then, if it's still in leaf. And then you build it up red again, again for flowering later in the year. And in the summer, during the summer when there's no frost about, you could even stand it outside. Yeah, it'd be great. All right. So, so do I just cut the flowers off or let no, them drop you can, on their you wait own? till they're dead and yep. then they'll... And actually, you won't need to cut them. You'll, you can then, once they go brown, you just twist them off. And they they're drop just, off. Oh, yes. Yeah. All right. Oh, thank you very much. Irene from Chesant, Salted, Chris in Colchester, talking holly bushes, aren't we, Chris? Yes, we are, Ken. Good morning. What have you got for us with your holly? I've got a, a border on one side of my property that's got about 15 hollies along it in various spots, interspersed with some fruit trees. They're, I say the trunks are about six, eight inches diameter, so they're, they're about 25, 30 years old, up about 25 feet. And... I'd had one neighbour, which one of the trees was leaning over a, a very small garden on one of my neighbours, and her, her son chopped it off at about 16 feet up and right. just left the bare trunk. It exploded in growth. They do. Mm. And I'm wondering, because, I w because these don't actually provide much in the way of shelter now, because they're up above, they're alongside a six-foot fence. Yep. But they're above it, so they don't actually do any screening or anything. What, what, what's the best time of the year? If I chop those off at about the top of the fence level, what would the best time of the year to expect those to sort of survive best and, and put new growth at, at the sort of top of the fence level? You could do it now. I do you? it now, actually. Right now. Cause, now? Yeah, because yeah. what you're doing... Ten minutes' time. You're doing some quite drastic pruning, really. There's no point yeah, letting it, it expend yeah. all that energy, and then you've got to cut it. Use I, the energy. I would actually cut it now, mm. uh, and also I'd think about uh, how far is it coming out from the fence, uh, maybe uh, shortening it, it, the side growths as well. Well, yes. It, there's not much sort of bottom growth at right. all on it. They're all up top. And but you, competing with each other a little bit. So. Cut it down. But you'll get that growth yeah. as a result of you cutting it down. It'll do exactly yeah. what your neighbour did. Uh, yeah. So you'll cut it down and then it will explode everywhere. Yeah. Um, so that really invigorates the plant. There isn't actually any need to feed it either, really. I It'll don't just think. go. No, they've never been fed in, no. in, no. in 25, 30 years. Chris, can the you let us... Sorry? Let us know how they get on as well, can you? We will do. Thank you very much. Pleasure. That's Chris in Colchester. Being ruthless with some holly bushes... Dorothy and Tulshant Darcy, what have you done with your lawn? Come on. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Tom. Um, that's my wife just phoned out. Ah, so who are we talking to? Brian Gallant. Hello, Tulshan Brian. Darcy, so Brian, Brian, right. What are we talking yes. about the lawn for? Um, I've, got, I'm get, I've got behind with the autumn feed. Yep. And I've got moss on the lawn. Mm-hmm. I've got it, one of the, uh, the chorus which I'm using, um, do you leave those holes open and can I still put autumn feed on to try and kill the moss? Has the So the autumn food feed has got a moss killer in it, yes? Yes, yes. Right, so what do we do? For, you can still use an autumn feed at this time of year, can't you? Yes. You could do. But you can. From about late March onwards. Oh, you could do, yeah. You could do, actually, because you've got, you've got another month, six weeks, yeah. say. But the core, you've got cores of soil that you've taken out. 
Yes. So you got uh, right. Okay. So have you then followed it with uh, something like top dressing? So a no, sandier uh, sort of I mix. I haven't finished yet. I'm just in the process right. of doing it. I would do the top dressing next, yes. and then I would actually put yeah. the feed on after that. And I know it. Yeah, it's. It's it's not autumn. It's we're coming out of winter. There's no harm if you've got that. Use it. It'll um, strengthen the roots, and then you'll use your your alternative feed for for greening up uh, from about sort of maybe end of, uh, April onwards. April probably. onwards. Yeah. That, thank you very much. They say uh, by corn it lets air into strengthen the roots. It does, but also it relieves uh, compaction as well. So if you've got a clayer, clayer-based soil, then it's a bit like you forking. Uh, so you get aeration, you get good drainage. Uh, so, yeah, you get a better quality plant. Thank you for all your calls. Dor- uh, not Doris, it was Brian, wasn't it? Um, thank you for that call from Dosh and Darcy. I'm going to just now try and uh, talk through the ones that had come in on the text number. And when do I get a hazelnut tree pruned? Can I get it cut down hard so it's easier to control? We actually have two-stage cutting on a hazel, isn't it, normally? Because you encourage some new growth. Uh, you really stall them, don't you? But you can do it in two stages. So yeah, how, we, when would you do it? Well, we've just done it. Did you, it I was going to say, it's uh, the best time now, So they've been it? thinned out, and actually some of the poles have been left, others have been taken out. Uh, in some, some situations, if you've got a coppice of them, you will take the whole plant down. But this, I think, is just one, it's one, one or two. Yeah. I would cut half of them yeah. down. Th- How low? Oh, we'll cut them right down to the base. And then they'll re-sprout, Yeah, they, they will do, yeah. That's Lynn has asked that. I've been told before making slow gin. I thought this was a good intro to your wine day that uh, <laughs> we were being told by Kath earlier on. Not to pick them when they're too ripe and when they're firm and blue. Now, is this true? Now, I'm surprised at this question because you pick them in the autumn. So I don't quite get this one, do you? Well, they're hard anyway, then, aren't they? Yeah, they're hard. They're hard, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Nothing like slow gin, though, is it? Well... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not National Slow Gin Day, is it? It isn't. No, it's National White. <laughs> we won't go there at this moment. So, OK. So, um, last but not least, I wanted to... Um, Jenny has uh, been growing... She's been growing an avocado from a stone. Now, this is always a challenging one, isn't it? It's grown very leggy. It's two foot high. They do, don't they? And uh, she says it's got six last year. I did pinch out the top. Now it has grown another five inches with three tiny leaves at the top. How can I make it thicken up? Well, you're, she's got, doing she's it. She's got a work cut out. Yeah. Come on. They're devils, aren't they, to, to actually get them to branch, aren't they? You just have to keep on pinching out tips. And that's all you can do. Yeah, and make sure the pot's big enough for it. And they are an attractive indoor plant, aren't yeah. they? Well, I tell you what, in Dartmouth, they're planted outside. Really? Yeah. Do they produce avocados? Not though? yet. And that one's about 15, 20 foot tall. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour. This is BBC Essex. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the answers, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go via our website, bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11.